Alright, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Nerd Sub with Ian 2.0 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ian. And today's topic is going to be on... Actually, I shouldn't even say topic. It's today's story I'm going to go talk about more retrospective of. It's an older story from 82. It, has been written, it was written by Chris Claremont with art by Brent Anderson. And it's ex, it's X-Men, God Loves, Man Kills. And it's a perfect allegory for, I guess, wherever way you want to put it in regards to everything that's going on right now. And I suggest for anybody who's never read it, to read it. It will, in my opinion, it'll show you that for people who've always been like, oh, well, you know, comic books are for kids or they're just not something I find interesting or anything like that. It's a story that truly can hit home. And a lot of people who've read it, they they feel it. They understand why it hits home so well. You know, it for the topics it's able to go over, which I won't go in full detail as to all the topics and everything like that, but I'm gonna kinda give a brief summary of the beginning. To kind of give you guys a taste of what the story is and then let you guys kind of go from there to encourage you to read it. And then I'm also going to talk about probably the only adaption of that story. Actually, there's the only true adaption of that story that's been out there, which is X2, X-Men United. And then, I don't know, I might give a couple other retrospectives on a couple other characters, but don't know yet. We'll, we'll kind of go over it from here. But let's just begin. So, the beginning of God Loves Man Kills starts off with mutant children, and they're being hunted by henchmen. Now, kind of find out they are purifiers led by William Stryker. Now, William Stryker is a religious televangelist who's also big into the homo sapien being superior to the homo superior aka the mutant his big thing is he doesn't believe god loves mutants he believes his mission is to kill mutants and that's his whole purpose you know he's been utilized very well in certain stories whether it's messiah complex or you know x-force by craig kyle and kyle yost you know, they, anytime I've really gotten to see, you know, William Stryker really get utilized, it's always usually he's just a religious fanatic, and that's kind of what they go for. And this story kind of, it was the first time you ever got to meet him. And it sets it up really well. Now, to kind of give his, a brief backstory on the character of William Stryker, like I said, he's a televangelist in this story. He's also religious nut. So he's also on top of that. He had a family. He had a wife and a son. His wife gave birth to a mutant. And he he couldn't handle it. He didn't want to know that his own flesh and blood was the same thing he hated. And he didn't want to accept it. So he killed them both. And he just, he hates them. He, he truly just hates mutants to his core. 
And it's a key foundation to this day of purifiers and for mutant hate groups in X-Men. I mean, to this day, he's one of those establishing factors that came in there. And he's always been a guy that has... I wouldn't say he's a big power player because at the end of the day, there's plenty of bigger players when it comes down to, you know, villains. But William Stryker kind of just took the cake of really the con really the idea of what would happen if you had a guy who wanted to use the word of God and the word of... I get, technically, I'll just leave it at that, the word of God, and to hate another group of people just because he just doesn't like them. And he gets a group of fanatics behind him. You know, it sets the tone right from there. You know, the two children being killed at the beginning of the story truly sets the tone. Now, I do warn this with reading the book. Besides that, it is, there are racial slurs, and there are, there is some vulgarity. It's nothing action-packed, but it was written in 82, so I do always warn people when reading it, preferably, like, let's say you're a parent listening to this, or you're like, oh, hey, maybe my kid should read it. I'd say wait till your child's older. That's just my particular suggestion. And if you're an older reader, whether you're a new, older reader or a younger reader, and you're just like, hey, I want to read a good story, older reader, and you want to reread a story... God Loves Man Kills, I always know for X-Men fans, is always a good story. Because it's not super long, it's an original graphic novel. And it's just a great story, overall. And for New Year's, it's the same thing. You know, it kind of gives you a taste of what Chris Claremont's writing on the X-Men really was. And just how influential he was with his 18-year run on X-Men. And how he is, to this day, still... This giant influence. Now, to get back to the opening segment of it, after the purifiers have killed the children and they've notified William Stryker, you have Magneto who's on the scene who investigates it and he sees the two children were killed and it just, it breaks his heart. Because at the end of the day, he knows they shouldn't have died. They're, they were young children. They They... They hadn't grown into mutant abilities yet. They hadn't done anything. But they were murdered because they were mutants. They were homo superior. And if anybody knows the character of Magneto, you know the one thing that Magneto's known for is, at least in the past, is he is, in all intents and purposes, if Charles, Fe Charles Xavier is the pacifist of the mutant kind, Magneto, in all intents and purposes... He's the aggressor and the terrorist of mutant kind. Terrorist not in the concept of, you know, he's always, you know, he's pure evil. But his methods in a lot of ways are of propagating what mutant kind is. And what it should be in that the human race, particularly man or homo, homo sapien, should fear what mutants can do. You know, Magneto's character lived through the Holocaust. He was you know, put Nazi camp, Nazi concentration camps, he went through all that, and that's, you know, key parts of his origin, particularly with Magneto, and it just, it fits so well. Now, with all that, 
being said, you have a guy like Matt Neal just mad. He's just he's just filled with rage because he's rage and sadness because he sees what happened. Now you do go now it switches over to really just a debate. This is kind of just the beginning. A debate between Charles Xavier and William Stryker. And then I'm gonna then that's when Charles Xavier ends up getting kidnapped soon after. And that's kind of where I'm going to leave it right there in regards to it. And then just kind of give you guys a sense of like, hey, this is something I probably want to check out. I'm trying to think of the words to really truly describe the story very well to people. Because this won't be super long podcast, but it's one I feel like Worthy of kind of hearing out. At least in my opinion for it. What the story of God Loves Man Kills. It sets up. A lot of what. Classic X-Men. Tropes are. X-Men are always looked at. Looked at as. Monsters. They're never going to. He looked at the same way. There, it's one of the bigger influences on a series like X Men, the animated series, and then even into the X Men movies. You know, X Men were always looked at as threats and enemies, not heroes. Even when they could be heroes, they were still looked at as the enemy. They were always looked down upon, and this story perfectly encapsulates that. Now, with that being said. There's only really been one true adaptation of the story. Not a full-blown faithful one. But one that truly, in my opinion, I think this did a great job of actually modernizing a story. And even though it didn't take the religious elements that were pushed by William Stryker originally, it did a great job of just building it. It just... It was a great movie. X2 X-Men United. You know, with the scene with Nightcrawler when he's going through the White House, just running through police officers, like I say, Secret Service members, or he's teleporting and everything like that. To this day, it's probably one of the best scenes he's done. And everyone can always talk about, oh, well, his scenes with Quicksilver and stuff like that. The Nightcrawler scene set was the thing that set the tone, to be honest. For... These crazy X-Men fight scenes. That could be later seen. <laughs> you know, in, in X-2, William Stryker's not a religious fanatic. He is a military general who used to work for pretty much the same group that made Wolverine Wolverine. He worked for... Morris the Weapon X program. Casual Wolverine, he had truly is the guy that, you know, made Wolverine. And that's what they went for with the story. You know, he's still a man who hates mutants. But he's not of the religious televangelist kind like I was talking about. He's more of a militaristic. He's like, we're taking them out. He's like, I don't have time for them. He, that's what his game plan is. And a lot of the key moments that were utilized, you know, they pulled from 
God Loves Man Kills. With Professor X getting kidnapped. X-Men having to team up to get him back. Magneto being involved. A lot of the key points were pulled from it. I mean, I like the adaptation. I like the fact that Wolverine got a better backstory because of X2. You got to see characters like Colossus really get to shine. You got Iceman again who got to shine. You had Pyro who you got to see more of. You got to see kind of just a different interpretation of what young mutants would be like and how a group of, I guess at the time, I guess if you want to look at soldiers instead of purifiers would handle having to go inside a inside the X-Mansion. And the scene where they're all in there with Wolverine just smells them and he's just like just taking them out to this day is still crazy. And that's I feel like to be honest, I don't see that as something to that the MCU will ever do. Cause I don't know, I don't see them now I'm going off from the God loves man kills, I'm still dealing with it in a sense, but I'm more or less for adaptation and stuff like that, just in case somebody's like, oh, well, I want to hear more about story. Like I said, read it for yourself. I brought it up for particular reasons to kind of set this up. Do I feel like they would ever adapt it in the MCU? To be honest, I don't. I feel like they would... It's such a hard story, even with the religious fanatic portion of William Stryker, that I don't feel like Fox, particularly, or I shouldn't even say Fox, say Disney and Marvel would have, and all intents and purposes, the balls to really go forth and do. Because it is something that is, you know, very risque in a lot of ways, if you think about it. Plus, there's always, for as great of a story as it is, there's adaptations of it they can do that fall similar to the story that would do well for movie. That would do better for movies. I mean, I could see them doing Messiah Complex or anything like that, but I don't see them doing a full-blown adaptation of God Loves Man Kills like X2 did, more or less. Not verbatim, but I don't see them doing something similar like that. It's just too risque for them, and it's just a lot for them to risk at the end of the day. Particularly with X-Men and particularly with the fans and the audience. And them trying to get in the younger viewers and the casual, you know, moviegoers and fans to go see the movie. It'd be very difficult to promote that movie at the end of the day. So that's why I don't, in my personal opinion, I don't see the MCU doing it. I see them pulling in certain aspects, but I never straight up see them fully doing it. Because, end of the day, there is, it's very high risk, low reward. Because it's high risk to do the story, and very low reward they'd get from it, if it doesn't sit well with fans. So, unfortunately, that'd be one story I don't think we'll ever really see done in the MCU just because it was done so well in 
and the Fox X-Men universe. And which is beneficial. Now there are other X-Men stories I don't really feel like we'll get really ever tapped for that same for similar reasons. But I'll be curious to see what they'll do. Now, in regards to Chris Claremont and his writing for X-Men for so long, for 18 years, to this day, he's truly just influential. Even to the current writer, Jonathan Hickman. If you read Jonathan Hickman's X-Men or any of the titles he's working on within the X-Men, you know, X-Family universe that he has of comic books right now within Marvel, you can tell Chris Claremont had an impact on what he views the X-Men as. It's just shit. And in my opinion, Jonathan Hickman's knocking out the park. Now, like I said, I will do a separate Jonathan Hickman X-Men podcast at one point. But overall, you can feel it if you've read the X-Men by Jonathan Hickman or New Mutants or any of the other X-Titles he's doing. You can feel it in that. You can see where he is... Thinking of different ways to not go in and redo the same thing that Chris Claremont's done. While also truly honoring it and redoing new twists on it. If that makes any sense. And, I don't know. It's To me, I feel like Jonathan has just done a great job now for... Chris Claremont and his stories, you know, you've always got X-Men Days of Future Past. You've got, you know, of course, God Loves, Man Kills. You have, you know, other great stories like Phoenix and the Dark Phoenix Saga. You know, you've got Lynn Wine when he originally started up the Uncanny X-Men with his stories. You've got a lot of great stories within it. I mean, you've even got where Introduction of Rogue, you've got The Brood, which... In my opinion, that is that's the one group I'm waiting for them, the MC to affect Marvel to really take full advantage of for the MCU to really give a heavy preference to, like presence to, because they're a perfect thing. They're essentially xenomorphs from aliens. That's essentially what they are. And this is kind of just a brief description. Essentially, they have a queen, they implant embryos within mutants, and then pretty much slowly but surely over time, the egg that's been implanted transforms mutants, and now that particular brood now has the mutant powers. And that's just kind of more or less just the gist of what the brood really are. The story they originally did with with Wolverine and the X-Men going against the Brood. Great story. There's To this day, there's a reason why I truly appreciate the Brood. And just the just the ability of what they can be utilized for. Now, crazy it is. And, man, I'll, I'll just be excited if they ever do that. I, don't, I feel like they probably would. I feel like they'd probably mess around with it. If anything, I feel like they could probably do it because the brood, at the end of the day, they're not as... They're violent, but they're not... Comic-wise, they are monsters. So, don't 
don't take don't get it twisted when I say they're not fully violent. They could be done in the MCU. Like if they did that like what they did with the riders and stuff like that for Thanos and MCU with the Avengers and the Chitari and all that, they could probably do the brood. They just probably won't have them as brutal, if that makes any sense. And that's kind of going to be their game plan for that. Now, with that being said, as to kind of just wrap this up, like I said, I don't think this wasn't going to be a long podcast. Anyway, it's just kind of more or less kind of just talking about you know, X-Men in general, and God Loves, Man Kills, and just different stories that are out there for it. If you're trying to get an X-Men, if you're trying to, you know, get a good way of to get a, t- like I said, get a taste of Chris Claremont's run, God Loves, Man Kills is that story to go with. Same thing with Days of Future Past. Same thing with even just reading Volume 1 of The Uncanny X-Men, which you can... Whether it's finding on Amazon or Marvel Unlimited or wherever webs or even just getting it physically, whatever way you want to go for and get it, do it. I encourage it. Other great stories that aren't written by Chris Claremont that are also great X-Men titles. Messiah Complex is great. Uh, I would suggest Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. I do like that a lot. But I think that's kind of always been mixed between fans. To me, I like the writing that Josh Whedon did for it. Like, I liked his take on it, because I liked the characters of the X-Men that he took, with Colossus, Wolverine, Beast, Emma Frost, Kitty Pride, and Cyclops. Just to me, I felt like it made sense. And then later, uh, Armor. They, they had a lot of great characters. And even the X-Men anime they did later pulled from that you know they had beast storm uh i think it's hisoka no not hisoka armor i'm just gonna go with the code name she has which is armor cyclops emma frost i don't think kitty pride was involved nor do i think colossus i think it was beast storm emma frost wolverine and cyclops and professor x and Jean gray those are some of the main ones but definitely, that X team was just great. Now, it did come after Grant Morrison's run on X-Men. Now, I haven't fully read the Grant Morrison run. Now, I do know how it goes. And I've been trying to kind of reread it slowly. Just because I know a lot of people really praise it. But I kind of came in after after that with Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men Technically, I shouldn't even say Josh. I came in with Josh Whedon, went up to Warren Ellis' X-Men. That's kind of where I got on. And then Jason Aaron's and with Wolverine, the X-Men, and so on and so forth for that. So uh, I guess we'll kind of just throw it out there. Uh, Astonishing X-Men, the first four volumes with Josh Whedon, John Cassidy, Messiah Complex, Dark Phoenix, uh, Days of Future Past. I would say Craig Kyle and Kyle Yoss's X-Force. That's always great. Rick Remender's X-Force. That's always great. What else? 
Jason Aaron's Wolverine the X-Men, that's actually pretty good. Now, it's, it does take place after Schism. Now, there, there are guys that do a better job of having more knowledge of X-Men than I do, so I always do suggest go... You can always watch them or listen to them. I do definitely suggest that. I have a decent knowledge of X-Men, but not a full-blown, like, oh, I'm the X-Expert. I'm the X-Men expert. I can tell you everything. Like, that's kind of not me in regards to that. I try to try to avoid that <laughs> in particular. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. The other great stories that are in there. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll throw this out there. X-Men Grand Design. Volumes 1, 2, and 3. I would definitely suggest that. Now, they are pretty much reinter... They are pretty much Ed Prisker's way of honoring the X-Men from their original incarnation in... I think it's like 65, 66. With the original X-Men of Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, Angel, and Marvel Girl, a.k.a. Jean Grey and Professor X. To... The late 80s, early 90s X-Men. So each volume kind of deals with some of the more prominent, more popular stories. Whether it's them dealing with the Brood or them dealing with the Hellfire Club. Or them dealing with Sentinels or the Juggernaut. Like Each one of those stories, definitely, he does a great job of it. And I definitely would suggest... If that's something that catches your eye, like, hey, I don't want to read all of the original. Like, I just want to kind of get, like, an abridged version. Ed Prisker's X-Men Grand Design is great. With that being said, I'm going to kind of sneak this one in on that one. To be honest, there there is another Grand Design that came out. It's for Fantastic Four, and I'll be brutally honest in this one. It really didn't catch my attention that well. I don't know... Maybe it's just me. Maybe I kind of just felt bored with it. That's just kind of my thought. But then again, I, I mean, I've read some of the classic uh, Fantastic Four stories. I kind of... Fantastic Four, in my opinion. I like the group. I like the characters. I always have. But there's certain stories that they've had done that, in particular, Grand Design kind of just emphasize. They're just kind of just... Like I said, when it came down to Jack Kirby's The Demon, for as cool as the character is, the story when it's originally just kind of, for reading it, it kind of feels like a slog. Like you kind of feel like you're a little stuck in the mud. And it's a little boring. And it's nothing wrong with it, but sometimes you kind of want more. and You kind of want something else to keep your attention rather than Feeling like you're bored out of your mind. And that's just kind of how I've felt in regards to that. And those are just kind of my suggestions for X-Books. Eh, you know, I'll even throw this one in there. What was in particular my favorite run of X-Men? Or at least different variation of what I think was a cool concept for X-Men. For me personally, when Craig Kyle and Kyle Yoss came up with, were working heavily with X-Men with like Messiah Complex and everything like that, X-Force all the way with Warpath, X-23, Wolverine, and uh, 
Oh my god, I'm forgetting. Wolfsbane and later Archangel. Yo, dude, they were a... If you want... If if you were ever curious, read that those sto read that story, that that arc of the X Force. If you want to see the X Men go, okay, it's time. And Cyclops goes, you know what? I've had enough. This was at the time where Cyclops was. Other minds say he's like, you know what? They're they're shifting to have him to become more of more like Magneto. Than Professor X. This is when they were changing up Cyclops' character to make him more interesting. Where he's like, full force, lethal force is necessary, go for it to protect mutant kind. And I mean, they they ran through people. Like, I love the story. Like, I thought it was cool. Like, I definitely suggest for anybody who really kind of wants something that's, you know, blood and gut to action... That is definitely the way to go. And X-Force has always kind of been like that. In particular with when, with Rick Remender and Craig Kyle Kyle Yoss. And a lot of, and Rick Remender and Craig Kyle Kyle Yoss, they kind of kept it about the same with their X-Force. Though I did feel like Craig Kyle Kyle Yoss, they went for more of the brutal, bloody violence. While Rick Remender honored it, but he had a story to tell. So... Yeah, if I had to pick a team of X-Men, I'd much rather read, I would say, the X-Force with Wolverine. X-Force led by Wolverine with Warpath, Wolfsbane, X-23, Archangel, and then later had Deadpool and Psylocke. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that was in that one. Phantom X, he was another one that was in there. They also had... Uh, they had a couple different people on that team, so it was interesting. But I would, uh, yeah, I would definitely suggest those. Definitely, if you're looking for something like cool and different. But with that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, you know, definitely keep reading the comic books and yeah, enjoy yourselves. And thank you guys for listening. Have a great night. Later.